Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Catch Productions, and welcome to Aiden on Anchor. Aiden on Anchor is a podcast focusing on my life. I'll tell you a lot about myself and hopefully provide value through experience. You're listening to episode 108, recorded on June 2nd, 2022, at exactly 4.44 a.m. And don't worry, I just woke up like an hour ago, so I have not been up all night. And the reason that's important is because I'm moving in a couple days and I have to get my sleep schedule actually fixed because I'll be driving on the road for like seven or eight hours just to get to South Carolina. It's it's insane. It's insane the amount of work I'm going to have to do to get there. But moving is going well. I'll update you guys more on the progress later in the episode because you probably read the title and you want to hear me talk about the other thing first. So if you're just interested in the whole moving update, thing maybe you know fast forward a little bit but if you're here for pokemon that's what we're going to talk about the uh, pokemon company revealed a brand new trailer for pokemon scarlet and violet the second trailer overall and there's a good bit of information that was revealed in it and so i figured hey i'll give my thoughts let you know what i'm thinking about the game the good the bad the etc so uh let's pull this bad boy up so the main thing that I noticed, I think, with this trailer, and a lot of people are pointing it out, is the multiplayer focus, which is pretty cool. Um, believe it or not, back when they were revealing Pokemon Black and White, and they were showing the, the Intralink, Dreamlink, whatever nonsense, my initial impression of that was like, oh crap, are they going to be doing local multiplayer? That'd be really cool, I've always wanted to do that, and then, you know... It ended up being something completely different and something I never used. So it was really kind of a cool little coming full circle moment watching this trailer and be like, oh my God, are they actually doing multiplayer? And they are. It's uh, four people can go on adventures at once. And uh, it's pretty exciting. I don't know if it'll be online. I'm guessing it'll just be local and then you'll have some switches connected like infrared style or through Bluetooth or something. I'll be very impressed if it's actually like three other people online. Uh, but if they made sure that, that'd be pretty cool. I just worry about it from like a performance standpoint. Because yes, visually the game looks a little bit better than last time, but still not by much. It's still kind of gross looking. A lot of the textures aren't nice. The trees still are a little dingy. And I know people don't like complaining about Pokemon graphics, but it's just ever since Black and White 2, or, no, that's not true. Ever since Oraz, I haven't found a Pokemon game that I've liked visually. Because all the sprite-based ones are gorgeous. And they kept getting better and better at it and improving as they got onto more powerful hardware. Then 3D comes along, and X and Y looks fine. Oraz I was a big fan of just because it reimagined the Hoenn region and kind of gave like the definitive visual interpretation of that region and Hoenn and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then Sun and Moon looked bled to me. I think all the Switch games outside of Let's Go still look pretty rough. Sword and Shield look rough. Legends Arceus looks rough. And this still kind of looks rough to me. Hopefully, they continue to improve it and continue to polish it. But from what I gather, looking into insights and development at Game Freak, um, there's two teams working at once. And each game takes about three or so years. And given that it's releasing this year, November 18th, there's not a ton of time left for polish, but I hope they can uh, fix that up. Because everything else, from a gameplay perspective, looks pretty cool. There's the multiplayer stuff that I talked about earlier. 
They've also revealed some new Pokemon. And I want to go ahead and pull them up because I don't want to get their names wrong. So we got to look a little bit more at the starters. They each have their own custom animation. A lot of people thought, based on the line that the rival says, that you could have all three. But no, you still have to pick and choose one. And then we got our legendary Pokemon, who I did not know their names. Apparently the red one is Coridon, and the purple one's Maridon. Yeah, they're totally motorcycles. They both have Rhydon in the name. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were uh, guessing that on Twitter. But uh, no, this pretty much confirms it. Like the wheels are both in their chest. They both have Rhydon in the name. The purple one clearly has boosters. They're going to be like borrowing some of the uh, ride mechanics featured in Legends Arceus or, or maybe Sun and Moon. I don't know how that's going to work out. But if I had to guess, these homies you're going to be able to ride on at some point. It's going to make traversals so much more fun. If you're asking what my favorite is between the two legendaries, I honestly don't have one. I know a lot of people are a big fan of Maridon just because of the, the purple, sleek look. But I kind of like the red one, too. I, I think Maridon's kind of cool. I don't know. Just the uh, just the, like the feathers and the details and the red color scheme. I, I don't know. This, this one's going to be tough because usually with... Uh, the version exclusives, I always just like pick on the legendary and which one's cooler. So in Sword and Shield, it was pretty easy. I just picked Sword and uh, the Ultra Sun and Moon. You know, I always went with the one with Lunala in it. This one's tough. This one's a little bit tough, honestly. It gets tougher because they also revealed some professors. There's two of them, and they both kind of follow the same theme that the legendaries do. One of them's a little bit more futuristic. And the other one's a bit more, you know, a caveman theme, past theme, traditional. I don't know what you want to call it. Again, another thing that kind of reminded me of uh, Unova, because Black and White and Black and White 2 kind of also have a very similar conflict. Depending on what version you get, you could either go to like a past town or a future town at the end of the game. And they changed up some gym leaders and stuff like that. But that was more of a game of, like, truth and ideals, and the, the set dressing was just past versus future. So we'll see if they actually, like, delve into it more in the story. But who knows, honestly. The, the story in this game could be really bad, or it could be kind of okay, but, but not good. My, my bet is that it's still probably not going to be very good. I just hope it doesn't uh, get in the way of the actual gameplay, and it seems like that's the case. They've kind of confirmed on the on the website, if I can go to the page here. I want to read directly from it rather than just, uh, you know, saying shit. <laughs> All right, where, where is it at? Where is that? Um, okay, so this is regarding the multiplayer. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet allow multiplayer gameplay with up to four players. Along with series staples such as trading and battling, you'll be able to explore the various locations of the region in these games with other players. You can discover new Pokemon and explore unfamiliar areas with your friends and family, opening the door to an adventure more precious and fun than ever. That definitely sounds local to me. Okay, and then there's this statement here, and this is the one I was looking for. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet offer an open-world experience that only the Pokemon series can deliver. Eh. A one welcoming even to newcomers of the series. You can experience a new style adventure with a world that you're free to explore to at your leisure and not in an order dictated by the story. That right there got me so excited. If I can think of, like, one issue with the Pokemon games that bothers me more than it probably should, it's the fact that, like, 
none of them at all since Oraz have been even slightly replayable. And the reason why that's the case is because all of the Gen 8 and Gen 7 games are so hell-bent on keeping you focused on the story at all times in a linear event. And that's fine for a first playthrough when I want to experience the story and pay attention to it. But every other time afterwards, oh my god, it's a fucking slog. Sword and Shield was a slog. Sun and Moon is a slog. Ultra Sun and Moon's a slog. Black and White 2 is a slog. This has been a problem that they've had for like a good while now. And I'm so happy that even if the story is going to be ass, even if it's something that I don't want to deal with at all, I can go in any fucking order I want. Which, by the way, is something Pokemon used to do in Generation 1. The first three gems, you go in order, and you're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But then you get to sell it on, and then you can go to, like, Saffron, or you could do the Pokemon Tower early, or you could do uh, the hidden rocket base or you could go down to fuchsia and you could battle trainers that are way higher level you still had to do the gyms in order but it was pretty cool uh in in hoenn again same thing first half is very linear very straight very focused second half opens up a lot there's not a lot of story interruptions the game moves pretty fast and then you know diamond and pearl was really fucking slow and boring and tedious and black and white black and white too blah 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 I miss when Pokemon games at least felt a little bit more open. And Legends Arceus, from what little I've played, um, I kind of had to stop because I wanted to play it on stream, but I haven't been able to stream. From what little I've played of Legends Arceus, it at least goes in the right direction. But still, you'll have moments where you're exploring the world and having fun, and then you come back and you get a mountain of fucking text and shit that I don't care about. Anybody who said, like, the story in Legends Arceus was groundbreaking or really fun or whatever, I have not gotten to it yet. The first three or four hours have been really, really tedious. Uh, but it's better because, again, I can go in the open world and fuck around for an hour and then eventually come back and do that. So that excites me. That excites me as far as the story is concerned. Uh, what were we talking about earlier? Oh, right. I was going to mention the other Pokemon. And then I completely went off on a fucking tangent so they revealed the two legendaries obviously and then three new pokemon um most of them were fine none of them really speak to me outside of my man lechonk and that's really only because of the name uh i know a lot of people are, are memeing on them and are excited about them but if pokemon's taught me anything it's that uh every pig pokemon they do is going to turn into something fucking disgusting spoink to grumpig the tepig line in the Pig Knight, and then Imbor. Lechonk is going to be a monstrosity in his later evolutions, and uh, it makes me sad, because Lechonk's very cute, and there's a lot of potential there, but I know they're going to find a way to fuck it up. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I could I could bet money on it, even. I, I could put down $20 that Lechonk's evolution's going to be ass. So if anybody wants to take that bet, let me know. But he is a hog Pokemon, normal type, weighs 22 and a half pounds, He's got a Romaville and Gluttony, and, uh, you know, he'd be looking for berries. He's a very cute boy. Uh, the other two I'm, I'm less interested in, we have Smoliv, who's an olive. He'd be known the olive Pokemon. He's grass normal, and uh, the ability early bird. Just kind of an early grass Pokemon. Probably something that uh, could be interesting, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not placing anybody on that one. Uh, the oil that comes out of his head has a very strong bitter taste and it is not suitable for consumption. 
When Startler attacks, Smilov will shoot the soil out, slowing its opponent down. That's kind of cool. They kind of tied it a little bit into the world there. And then finally, we have the Pikachu clone, Pommy. He's fine. He looked uh, kind of like a Neopet to me. Like, there's a very specific Pokemon design language. And sometimes they'll either veer off into Digimon territory, where it's, like, way too overly complicated and unnecessary. Or they'll go even simpler and dumb down a design. And this is where I think Pommy comes in. More of a more of a Neopet kind of look. If this is your favorite Pokemon, I'm sorry. But my initial impression was just like, eh. Kind of looks like a, uh, a worse version of a woofy if you remember him from the, the kirby games the little dog enemies that's what this guy should look like but with like yellow cheeks so yeah new pokemon they're fine uh i still love the starters and i still love the legendaries but the the new three they've revealed outside of my man lechonk represent they've been kind of just okay so yeah i'm pretty sure that's all they've announced yet uh Showed more of the starters, showed the rivals, talked about the professors. The gameplay stuff's interesting. It looked like, based in the trailer, that they're not going to be using the Legends Arceus style of, of battling, which is a little disappointing. It still very much seems like you walk up to a Pokemon, the encounter music plays, you battle them, and then you can catch them. So it's not like cold catching seems to be a thing. Could be wrong on that front. It's a little disappointing, but I think Legends Arceus, like, from a theming perspective was all about catching Pokemon and they wanted you to get like more than one of each. So you'd be catching like 20 beatoofs or something. So in that sense, cold catching works for that game because you have to catch so many of the same Pokemon. Scarlet and Violet will not be like that. I'll be surprised if we get just a hundred new guys. Uh, so it, it, I guess it makes sense, but still a lot of people preferred that style. I kind of prefer that style. It's a shame they're going a little bit back to the more like slower-paced nature of Sword and Shield, but we'll have to wait and see. That's uh, really my thoughts on the entire game, actually. It's promising. It looks promising. I've liked the legendaries. I like the multiplayer focus. I like the fact that the story does not dictate your entire playthrough, uh, and hopefully that means it'll be more replayable as a result. But it still looks a little bad. None of the new Pokemon are really speaking to me. And again, the Switch games have gone up and down in quality, it feels like. So, who knows how good it'll actually be. We know Masuda isn't working on it. He had to step down. He's now working for the Pokemon Company as a creative advisor. So, he won't be directing or adding music or anything like that. But it's probably Omori, the guy who worked on uh, Sun and Moon. So, and Sword and Shield. So, we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see. But those are my thoughts on Pokemon Scarlet and Violet releasing again November 18th 2022 I will most likely be picking it up but I still haven't even finished Legends Arceus yet <laughs> I did finally finish Let's Go which is good I, I finished Let's Go I got Meltan and Melmetal uh, I've obviously been Sword and Shield two times but Legends Arceus is next up on my docket I'm going to stream that and then later November I'll, I'll go ahead and try this out so Still on track to playing and, and beating all the Pokemon games, but it's always fun getting a new release cycle and stuff and talking about new Pokemon with you guys. So I'm optimistic. I'm cautious, though. I'm always a little cautious as far as new Pokemon game stuff is concerned. Anyway, that was my thoughts on Scarlet and Violet. I didn't think it would take, like, 15 minutes, almost 16. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> so the rest of this podcast will just sort of be dedicated to what I've been doing in the past couple of days, how the moving's going, all that sort of stuff. So 
Like I said, I'm recording this podcast on the 2nd, which means yesterday, uh, Zach and Damien and the boys have moved in. Um, June 1st was their move-in date. I'll be a little bit later. I won't be moving in until June the 4th, which means I get more time to you know pack and stuff. Today, I mostly spent time uh, getting my oil changed on the truck because, again, driving from Tennessee to South Carolina, very long trip. 475 miles or something. And that truck has a good bit of miles on it. You know, it's, it's been through the ringer a little bit. So I got an oil change, got the air filter fixed, added coolant, just made sure it was running well. But you got to watch out if you ever get your oil changed at a, at a location rather than doing it yourself because they'll always try to add little charges to it. And I didn't know about this going in, but like <laughs> oil change places are a bit like GameStop. Or you know how you go into a GameStop and you're like, oh, I want to buy a video game. And you go buy the video game and you go up to the counter and the guy at the register's like, do you want the video game? Okay. Uh, do, you, do you have the GameStop card? Oh, well, it only, it only takes $5 to register. Oh, do you want Game Informer or Magazine? We can hook you up with this. No, I don't want, I don't want that. Oh, okay, cool. Um, hey, do you want this? Other <laughs> and they just keep piling on suggestions and shit. Same thing. I went to get my oil changed. And they're like, immediately, okay, so which kind? We have the conventional and we have synthetic. What's the difference? Synthetic's like $40 more, but apparently I need it. Sure, why not? I'll go ahead and do that. And then they're like, hey, do you want coolant? Yeah, sure. You want an air filter? It's $15. Look how bad your air filter looks. I'm like, sure, okay. And then they started getting a little sketchy. <laughs> then they started, they came out with a little piece of paper, and on the piece of paper was a liquid. It's a pink liquid. He says, this is what your transmission looks like. It's on the way out. If you don't replace it, it will die. And I'm here worried because I don't know anything about fucking cars and trucks. I'm like, my, my transmission's dying? What am I going to do, bro? Like, I don't want to go out into South Carolina and then break down, you know, and God forbid North Carolina and then be in High Point or something like that. That would be scary. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, geez, this is $140 for them to do their little service on something that I have next to no knowledge about. So I passed. I felt real bad in the moment, though. And then they were like, hey, don't you want a fuel injection? I don't know what fuel injection does, but it makes more miles per gallon or some shit. I'm like, no. Can I just get my oil change? And finally, they did it, and they left me alone. But I paid like $113. Had I gone with the transmission and fuel injection, it would have been like close to 300 which is insane because I've been trying to save up money and the idea of like, more than half of that being gone just because the guy at the at the oil change place added a bunch of extra features and shit scared me uh so then i called my mom after everything and she was like oh yeah i meant to warn you but they do that all the time no you don't have to get your transmission fixed oh my god i, I breathed the sigh of relief i'm like cool thanks so just a fair warning if you have never gotten your oil changed before and you go to a place like Grease Monkey or whatever, just go and get what you want, all right? If you're coming for an oil change, just get the oil change. If you're going to clean up your vehicle, just clean up your vehicle. It's okay, you know, to buy some of the smaller, like nicer quality of life things, but if they come up and they're like, hey, your transmission's dying, you need to pay $140. One, it's probably not. And two, from what I heard from my mom, they usually fuck it up even more. So it's... Not worth it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to feel pressured into shit. Just pretend like you're at a GameStop and you just want to get Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Ignore all the extra bullshit. Get your Kirby and leave. <laughs>
I just thought that was funny. Uh, it was stressful in the moment because I was just so exhausted. Because not only did I have to do all the oil change stuff, but I uh, had to ship stuff out through eBay. Facebook Marketplace was starting to not be uh, viable anymore because I stopped getting offers. And I had some more expensive items left. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be moving. So Facebook Marketplace isn't going to be helpful because it's all local stuff. So I set up an eBay account, put them on eBay, and... Uh, Outside of getting scammed twice, nearly, I barely got out of those. Uh, eventually, I found trustworthy buyers who actually paid me real money for the items that I had, which, you know, is nice. But then came a new challenge of like, oh, I don't really know how to ship anything through eBay at all. And you would think I'd be like a 15-year-old kid with just how little real-world knowledge I have. But yet I just come on the podcast every day and talk about insane Pokemon facts or some shit like that. Like my brain space is dedicated to so much useless fucking garbage that like the actual important stuff is just not there and it's scary. So here is a little a brief tutorial on how to ship stuff to eBay if you ever have to ship anything out and you think it's scary like me. Hopefully this helps somebody. All right. So you put your items up on eBay. And what it'll do, which is actually kind of cool, is it'll compare your listing to other listings, and it'll give you a little little thing of how much it weighs. Because, you know, most people don't have a scale on hand, so it's really nice to have the recommendation for me, babe. Like, this is how much your item weighs. Based on that, here's how much we think shipping is. So you don't ever have to, like, come up with the shipping cost. eBay will tell you. So then you wait for your item to sell, and then once it sells... Then eBay will be like, all right, now you have to print a shipping label. I'm like, wait a minute, I have to print a shipping label? Okay, whatever. Uh, how much is it? Like $8 for a shipping label? Here's the thing. eBay, once your item sells, will ask you to print and buy a shipping label. And as expensive as it sounds, it's actually cheaper to buy it through eBay than going to the post office. Because if you go to the post office... They'll charge you to ship it there for the same service, pretty much. The shipping labels are going to be the same. It's the same service, but eBay saves you like a couple dollars. So buy the shipping label from eBay, okay? Print it out. You'll have to have a printer. I don't know. Uh, cut it out, and then all you need is your package, right? Where do you get the package? So this is cool. If you go to your post office, you know, you have to have a vehicle, obviously, but if you go to your local post office, they will have a wall of all their shipping stuff, you know, em envelopes, boxes, everything. And the cool part that I didn't know before going into a post office is it's free. Yeah, no, seriously, you can go in there and get envelopes, get boxes, whatever. And I walked up to them and they're like, how much is this? They're like, oh, it's free. They only charge you for the shipping. So what I would do, right, buy the shipping label from eBay, bring your item, bring the label, go to the post office, grab a box or an envelope, depending on the size of your item. Again, eBay will tell you which one to get. Pack it up, right? Put it in your envelope, put it in your box. I would recommend getting bubble wrap at a Dollar General or if you just have like gift wrap paper, just something to protect your item. For smaller things, it's usually fine, but for bigger items, obviously, you probably need to protect it a little bit more. So maybe go buy bubble wrap or a gift wrapping paper. Then at the post office, put everything together. So put your item in your envelope, put in your bubble wrap, seal it up, put on your shipping label. You just use tape. Then go to the post office and it'll be free because you already have your shipping label you bought from eBay. You won't have to pay any money and then you're done. 
it sounds complicated. I didn't know the steps, and YouTube was very unhelpful in telling me that information, but that's what you have to do. Get your shipping supplies from the post office, buy and print your label from eBay, and then get some bubble wrap or gift wrap for your items, deliver it at the post office, and they'll do it for free. That's all you have to do. And then eBay like auto-updates once you get the shipping label, and then it'll give them the tracking information and stuff. It sounded a lot more complicated than it was, but still, I figured I'd let you know. So I did all that. I shipped out a Chrono Trigger for like, they paid $150 altogether and like five for shipping, which is funny because they actually, the guy messaged me on Facebook Marketplace and I already had it on eBay. And I'm like, can you get an offer? And he's like, oh no, I can't offer on it. I'm like, okay, cool. So I took down Chrono Trigger on eBay, put it back up, let him offer, accept it, then shipped it through eBay. And then I uh, ended up selling my Zoom recorder, which I was going to use, but I figured the money for moving would probably be more important, and I don't need it right now. And that was for about like $80, $5 for shipping again there. And then I shipped that out, which means the only thing that I have left to sell, and it's not important if it does or doesn't, is uh, my microphone. I have the, the old microphone, the Rode NT-USB, I had that up there on eBay. It still has not sold yet. I might just end up keeping it for the most part. We'll see. Oh, and then there's the... Uh, I was going to sell my VHS collection on Facebook Marketplace for like $500, but obviously that didn't sell either. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with keeping it. It'll just be a little bit of a pain to move and stuff. But yeah, everything else sold, which is awesome. I went through a ton of shit on Facebook Marketplace, went through some stuff on eBay, did Uber... And we're pretty good as far as finances are concerned. We're going to be at about, oh, I don't know, like $600, $650 I'll have. And then my grandparents gave me a uh, gift card visa with $400. And I spent a little bit of that on the oil change. But that'll be helpful for the gas and stuff on the way there. So we'll be pretty okay as far as money is concerned for a bit. Moving, I'm still not sure how much stuff I'm going to be able to move, but that'll have to be figured out closer to time. I'm probably not going to have a U-Haul, so everything will have to be managed through the truck, but we'll wait and see. And then I'll have to hear back from Zach and everybody about how their moving experience went, just in case I need to bring something or whatever. But yeah, that's pretty much it as far as the moving updates concerned. Jesus Christ, this was a long Aiden on Anchor episode. I'm so sorry <laughs> that it went this long. It's almost longer than the last one. But that's my thoughts on Scarlet and Violet and my little moving update. Next, Aiden on Anchor will for sure be at the new place. I'm not going to be recording another one. I did, wasn't even planning on recording this one. It's just the trailer came out and people want my thoughts. So I went ahead and did it. But yeah, that'll be it. I've been Aiden of Blue Catch Productions, and I'm signing off. <laughs>